right. Welcome back to Made Arbitration. <laughs> and uh, John enjoyed that episode last week. We had a good time with that, didn't we? <laughs> A lot of comments on the episode we had last week. Uh, seemed like some people weren't too, weren't too happy about it. Uh, that's all right. But welcome back. We're going to have a short one today, a short episode. I got a few things to cover, uh, some that I was supposed to cover last week, but I got into it pretty heavy on some things. So, But I'll cover them this week. But it uh, seemed like some just a few people took exception to my rants against the NELC. And so if if y'all were to have a mascot, if you, like at your school you had a mascot, you know, it wasn't an intimidating mascot, you know. That's generally how I'd want my mascot to be, would be something intimidating. Uh, so if you think of a mascot for the NELC, what would it be? What is it? And what do you think it should be? Here lately, uh, I think the mascot for the NELC would be the the possum. (laughs) Would be the possum. I think that if we had shirts made up for the NELC right now, the mascot would be the possum. (laughs) You know why? Because possums play dead when they're approached by predators or when they're scared. They play dead. They don't do anything. They just lay there and play dead. So whatever the threat is, we'll, we'll pass it by. I think that right now, the NLC, uh, the mascot would be a possum. What do y'all think about that? <laughs> For those of you who said I should back up a little bit. Y'all know me better than that by now. Anybody tells me I need to back up a little bit. You know you're going to get the exact opposite, right? So I'm going to say that the the mascot for the NELC right now is the possum. Because we're playing dead when things are hitting the fan. When threats are coming, we're playing dead. What I would want the the mascot to be for the NELC is a lion. If I was to have a mascot. You know why? It don't take no shit. The king of the jungle. That's that's what I would want. I want I want my mascot to just be a damn pimp, just walking, a beast walking. You know what I'm saying? Just the baddest son of a bitch around. When it walks into a place, people fear that thing. That's what I want my NLC to be as a lion. Anytime they walk in the room, they're the baddest motherfuckers there. That's what I want my union to be, and we're not that. We're not that all this stuff going on right now. And I'm going to read some more to you. (laughs) I know I read a lot last week. I'm going to read some more to you. And the reason the things are happening on this workroom floor right now is because the NLC is a possum. We're playing dead. When we should be walking into a place demanding respect, people fear us when we walk into the post office Any setting we walk into, we should be the baddest motherfuckers going. And that's just how it is. But we're not that. We're not that. We're a possum. I'm going to tell you something here in a second you won't believe from somebody that called me in the know. You won't believe it. And if it don't piss you off about things that are going on right now with our union, something wrong with you. 
But here's just a few things that were sent to me. We'll read them. And, and this is because the NELC is not feared by anybody anymore, like they were. You would never have supervisors and managers. You'd have a select few walking out, acting a fool. They would get, they'd get addressed. But it's rampant right now across this country because nobody fears the NELC anymore. We've gotten so worried about, you know, sitting up there, making sure, hoarding all of our money, doing whatever we've got to do to save this money, that we're not out in the field addressing things, attacking things, educating like we should. And, uh, and this is a result of it when you have that. This person said, Supervisor spent yesterday on the floor conducting one 1838C. First time she's been on the floor in three months. Today's service talk, she says we need to case faster. She can tell most of us are missing standard and doing 15 and 6 at best. I spoke up and asked if she's Rain Man. She's 32 and had no idea what, what that was. So we got a supervisor standing out on the workroom floor saying, y'all need to case faster because I can tell y'all are missing standard. No efficiency counts, nothing like that. Of course, they did right. They addressed it saying, you know, are you rain man? <laughs> can you, how can you tell that? But uh, th That's just one of the things that's going on now. Here's something that came across a scanner. And they put this up. And I always take pictures of these scanner messages because they're good in grievances when they come across. It says, there is no reason... Why no one can maintain their schedule, including pivots, as I'm looking through to see where everyone is. I see plenty of people almost done with their routes. That was put on the scanner. I'll read it again. There is no reason why no one can maintain their schedule. That tells you the education we're dealing with right there with that sentence. There is no reason why no one can maintain their schedule. <laughs> Oh, mercy. Including pivots as I'm looking through to see where everyone is. Looking through what? When I got back, I'd have a picture of this, and I'd say, hey, right here when it says, as, as I'm looking through to see where everyone is, what are you looking through? I'm looking through this computer. Oh, so that's how you saw where everyone is, and you saw that everyone had plenty of time? They're almost done? Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm going to file a grievance on you tomorrow, okay? So we need to meet on that because that's a violation of 134 of the M39 handbook. You're spying on me and using covert techniques. When I, I know that you're sick and tired of hearing this. But when these memos came out that allowed management to watch us in these scanners for this, these route adjustment processes, it's the worst thing that's happened to us. But we fought so long, so many times, to keep management from doing exactly what these memos allowed them to do. We talk about bastardizing. I say that all the time. Talking about mayhem. I say that all the time. Uh, but we had to have known better. I say that all the time. But this is what you get when you open Pandora's box. This is what you get. You get management emboldened on this workroom floor to now say they can watch us because why? Because these memos were signed by the very highest of the highest that said that they can watch us now with these scanners. 
Now, the memo said that they can't use that outside of this route adjustment process, but managements are, are idiots. And so this is exactly what happens when you put things onto paper and, and dispense those around the country is, is dealing with what we're dealing with here now. And the fact that nobody has come out to address it is the reason that our, our, our mascot is a possum. That's why. That's why I say our mascot is a possum because mas the union hasn't come out at all to address these things. They simply say, grieve it, do whatever on the working floor. Y'all handle it. That, that's the problem. They're playing possum at the national level. They're playing possum at the business agent level. And they've left us down here, the fighters, the warriors, to deal with it ourselves. Our NALC is playing possum. We've got memos that have come out. There's nothing we can do about them. We can't grieve the memos. It tells management they can watch us now and, and ask us questions quarter, you know, with the REIT teams. Ask questions. What were you doing here? What were you doing there? What were you doing on this six minutes? Why were you doing here? You had to know when you signed that that this was going to happen. But we've not heard anything from anybody at that level addressing this. So here we go. We got a scanner message. There's no reason why, not, why no one can maintain their schedule, including pivots. As I'm looking through to see where everyone is, that would have never happened before these memos. That would have been grieved right there and won before these memos. Here's another one. Good morning, Corey. Got something for you. Don't know if anyone has mentioned it yet to you. My manager came to us yesterday telling us that she's going on two telecoms a week with district and tie wrap management lead for the state, and they're going over DSR and routes that are, were adjusted and showing how carriers are just messing around on the street. I'm working on getting the agreements together, but figured I'd share it with what we got here in Charlotte. You see what I'm talking about? These memos come out saying what the TRAP can do, that the REIT teams can do, how they can adjust routes, and here's management. The manager coming out saying she's on two telecoms a week with district and TRAP management for the state, and they're going over DSR and routes that were adjusted and showing how carriers are just messing around on the street. They've completely done away with the 4584. They've completely done away with street observation. These memos have allowed them to completely do away with it in their mind. So now they've got district and the TRAP management together looking at carriers that have been adjusted, showing how they've, they're, they're messing around on the street based off of the DSR data. This would have never happened if it weren't for those memos. So was the, the savings worth it at the end of the day? We did well in the route adjustment process. Was it worth it? The mayhem that is created right now for the city letter care on the workroom floor, the stress that it has created on the workroom floor, was it worth it, really? People say it's much better than a six-day count. I have made carriers wealthy off of six-day counts. My installation has made carriers wealthy off of six-day counts because management cannot do them properly. Look at the mayhem that this has created. 
Was it worth it? I'm sure everybody that's part of it say, yeah, it's worth it. It's a much better process. It's a much better deal. We should have thought of something different than putting things on a memo and putting them out for the public. Because this is what you get. Here's another one that came to me. A scanner message. We are checking breadcrumbs for the ones sitting out there. Be ready to answer for all stationary time. That's on a scanner. We are checking breadcrumbs for the ones sitting out there. Be ready to answer for all stationary time. I would grieve that, but I can't trust my union at the highest level to take it anywhere. They're going to say, well, nobody's been disciplined for it. So really, you can't do it. That's what I don't understand. That was, was told to me when they killed my grievance. Well, nobody's been disciplined. So if the contract says you can't do something, then they do it. Do y'all think that's a grievance? If the contract says you cannot watch, you cannot spy or use covert techniques, is that a grievance if they do that? It doesn't say in 134 of the M39, you can spy on a carrier and you can use covert techniques as long as you don't discipline them for it. Is that what it says in section 134 of the M39? You can spy on carriers. You can use covert techniques to spy on carriers as long as you don't discipline them for it. It doesn't say that. It says you cannot do it. It says you can't spy or use covert techniques, period. That's, there's a period at the end of that. So how is this not a grievance? I was told, well, as long as they don't issue discipline, what difference does it make? Because it, it, you can't do it. Because this is what happens when you don't do anything, when, you, when you're a possum. That's why when you're a possum, this is what happens. When you lay down and play dead in front of management because you're too fucking scared about something, this is what happens. This is what happens to the letter care in the workroom floor. Y'all don't have to worry about it because they don't give a damn if y'all don't do anything all day. Y'all can sit there for three or four hours and not do shit. The letter care sits for three minutes and this right here, they're going to question us about it. Why? Because y'all, you won't do anything. You won't get into the battle. You've left it to us. We're the ones having to deal with this every day. We're the ones having to answer to this every day. Why? Because we got possums at the NELC. They play dead on this shit. The M39, it states what? You cannot spy or use covert techniques. It says that. How is this not a violation of that section? Here's another one. No more than seven minutes of stationary time. That's what management's telling them. Hey, no more than seven minutes of stationary time. Here's somebody saying, when I retired in 21, it was 10 minutes on my cluster box route. I just scanned a spur just before I closed the cluster box, so I had 10 minutes from the time to drive off. So they're trying to defeat management spying on us and using covert techniques by scanning something within 10 minutes. Why? Because my union's a possum. This one says, it's now two minutes. We just did route adjustments through the scanner. And a few weeks ago, I was told my route was an eight-hour route. But come last week, they claimed all of our routes are about 45 minutes short because they are basing any time over two minutes stationary. It's unbelievable. I'm going to read that one more time because it's exactly what I read. 
It's now two minutes. We just did route adjustments through the scanner. And a few weeks ago, I was told my route was an eight hour route. But come last week, they claimed that all of our routes are about 45 minutes short because they're basing any time over two minutes stationary. Now, how did they get that time? How'd they get that time? Spying on me and using covert techniques. Where did they feel like they can do that? These dumb fucking memos. That's where. We need somebody from the NELC to do something. We need somebody from the NELC to do something. Please. I'm begging you. Do something. I feel like I need a stick to poke on you. To see if you're alive. Hey, do something. It's me. It's Corey. You don't have to play dead. Get up. Do something. I had a call from somebody last week. And he asked me if I had seen the video of the one-hour office time and 22-minute load time. I said, I have no idea what you're talking about. And this was somebody from another state. He tells me, that they've got a video they're showing on the workroom floor in this installation about the one-hour office time and how to make the 22-minute load time. I asked him if he had seen it. He said not yet, but he had a manager that was going to get him and he was going to show it to him. Okay? So he calls me later that night and he said, Hey, just saw the video. I said, So it's real? He said, Yeah, it's a real video. He said, it's going around nationwide. The carriers have to go out on the workroom floor, and they're going to play a video for them. And the video shows how you're going to make your 60-minute office time and how you're going to make your 22-minute load time. I said, what did the video say? He said, well, it just showed a guy. He had about six or seven packages, and he was putting them in the vehicle, showing you how you load your vehicle to get your 22-minute load time. Then he says this. He says that they were directed that since the cares were now made aware of the one-hour office time, how to do that, and how to do the 22-minute load time, that since they were made aware through this training video, that any care that did not make the one-hour office time and the 22-minute load time would be disciplined for performance. Y'all hear me? They've come out with a video now about the one-hour office time and the 22-minute load time, telling you how to do it, instructing you how to do it, saying this is a training video, and any care that doesn't meet the one-hour office time or the 22-minute load time will be disciplined now because of performance. Where in the complete fuck is our union? Where are they? We had episodes, 10, 15 episodes ago about the one-hour office time, how to beat it. Has anybody from the union said anything about it? I've been harping on this 22-minute load time for fucking ever. Has anybody from the union said anything? Anybody from the upper echelon of the NELC said anything about it? Now they've come out with a fucking video about it. And we've got fucking possums at the NELC not doing a motherfucking thing. When it first came out, I told y'all it was coming. I told y'all what was coming. But no, I don't know anything. Corey's dangerous. He's just lashing out at everybody. He, he cusses a lot. 
He calls people pieces of shit. Look at us now. Look at us now. I'm going to get a coat. I'm going to get a jacket for everybody at the NELC. And I'm going to have embroidered on it on the back a possum laying on its fucking back. X's on its eyes. And y'all wear those all the time because that's your fucking mascot up there now is a damn possum because you're not doing a fucking thing to protect the city letter carrier. It's unfucking believable Unbelievable. Now, let me say this. To the executive board, and I know you're listening because I talked to some of you this week. You've got hard decisions to make about a certain thing and you know what i'm talking about you've got hard decisions to make on a certain thing let me tell you you put the city letter carrier first and i'm not talking about the contract i'm not talking about local negotiations i'm not talking about uh interest arbitration i'm not talking about our negotiations going on right now with the with the postal service you've got a hard decision to make on a certain situation You put the city letter carrier first when you're making this decision. I know what you're doing, and I know what you're going through. I received several phone calls this week. You put the city letter carrier first in every decision that you make, however hard it is, and we'll have your back. All right? That's to the executive council. We will have your back on this workroom floor if you put the city letter carrier first in every decision that you make. And I've said that from the first episode. I know some of y'all up there and you're fucking warriors. Okay? You're fucking warriors. I've I've worked with some of y'all. All All right? I won't be sending y'all a coat. I won't be sending y'all a jacket. (laughs) Because I know who you are and I know that you're fucking warriors and that you fight for the city letter carrier. You have some up there that are diminishing your name and your legacy. I'll say that. And that's all I'm going to say about it. All right. Uh, Also, last week, I said I was going to tell you something funny about the red line policy. And uh, I was going to take one to arbitration. Uh, I'm, I'm able to do arbitrations locally now. So I have been allowed back in the door to, to get back in the arena. So we had a red line policy coming up and the advocate for management, he calls me and he says, Hey, I'm sending this up as an interpretive issue, meaning he wants his party to see if this is something they want to take as an interpretive issue. Cause he's saying the red line policy was a national policy came from headquarters. Remember that episode I did on red line policy. When I talked about this is coming down from headquarters nationwide well, I had one was going to take it to arbitration. It was out of Knoxville, Tennessee. And he calls me back and he says, hey, we're going to have to pre-arbit. Uh, we're going to do away with it. And I said, really? I said, what happened? He said, well, I called headquarters, sent them the, the packet and said, you know, do we do this as an interpretive issue? And they told me they had never heard of it. I said, excuse me? They never heard of this this red line policy. I said, are you talking about the one that came from headquarters? <laughs> he said, yeah. He said, they had, they've never seen it, never heard of it. I said, then how in the hell did it come down as a, an SOP from headquarters? No idea. So for those of y'all who are dealing with it, 
There you have it. Headquarters have never heard of the red line policy. It did not come from them. But they're trying to enforce it in some stations. So there's your little nugget for you. Headquarters have not heard of the red line policy or the SOP concerning the red line policy. So there's your little something to take with you. Here's something else that has bothered me immensely. And this is from Manny Peralta. And uh, I'm sure that, that some of y'all heard of it. And this is what he said. This is a memorandum from Manny Peralta, who's a damn warrior. It says, from the desk of Manuel Peralta to all MBAs, RAAs, branch officers, and shop stewards. Subject, USPS Heat Illness Prevention Program, HIP Training. On March 28th of 2023, I was advised that a complaint was filed with OSHA asserting that management was failing to provide mandatory heat illness prevention training, even though management is documenting completion of the training in the employee's training records. OSHA immediately began its follow-up inquiry by letter to management. In this letter, they advised that they have not determined the existence of a hazard but asked management to immediately investigate and provide proof of their findings within one week. I'm advised by the steward that management admitted to doctoring the training records and that they did so to get district management off its back. Let me read that again. I'm advised by the steward that management admitting to doctoring the training records and that they did so to get district management off its back. OSHA's letter further advised management that if appropriate action is not taken by the deadline, they will in fact conduct an inspection in which all OSHA regulations would be enforced. It appears that management is now jumping through hoops to do the right thing. However, this took place only because a vigilant steward caught them red-handed. Management in this facility is now conducting the HIP training that was required by April 1 of each year. Y'all hear that? By April 1 of each year. I'm going to get back to that in a second. If your office has not conducted the HIP training, check your light blue hero training profile to see if their records claim otherwise. Let me read that again. If your office has not conducted the HIP training, check your light blue hero training profile to see if their records claim otherwise. Next come management's response to OSHA. If you're in a situation where management's response to OSHA is not true, what should you do? You should investigate, then address this through OSHA by promptly responding, identifying the items with which you disagree, and providing the evidence to support your beliefs. Separately, you may explore filing a grievance in which we seek to prove your managers were dishonest in their response to OSHA, and as a remedy, we seek that management be required to fess up to OSHA about their response being untrue. Keep an eye on each other. Safety depends on you because you can't depend on a manager who's trying to make their numbers look good. How many times have I said that? Management could care less about your safety. They couldn't care less. The only one who is concerned about your safety is you. We say that all the time. For further information on management's obligations relating to safety training, please review my November 2022 safety and health column. Now that's how you do things at the national level. You have an instance come up, what does Manny Peralta do? 
sends a fucking memo to everybody in the fucking country. That's how you do things. That's how you get people ahead of this. You don't sit back and play fucking possum with load times, office times, our office times, stationary events, all this other bullshit. You get ahead of it. And that's how you do it. So, if you get on your light blue and you see that you've been input for hero, this is what I'm doing. This is what I'm going to do. If they have put you in as taking the training, you have not taken the training. This is heat illness training. Now, this is one of the biggest killers of our brothers and sisters nationwide. And one of the biggest cripplers of our brothers and sisters nationwide is heat illness. Okay? We did extensive episodes on that before. If I see that in my installation, in my station, management has put in cares as completing the hero training, and they have not done it, I'm filing a grievance. I'm filing a grievance under Article 14, okay? I'm going to ask for $50 a calendar day per carrier until they've done that training. Why would I do that? First off, it's going to force it in front of an arbitrator. I'm going to tell every level, don't touch it. Don't touch it because I want an arbitrator to see what pieces of shit we're dealing with. I'm going to ask management, how do you input anything into this hero training? How would you input it? Well, I got to go here. Okay, let's tell you how many steps it takes. You go to this right here, and then you click on this, and it brings up all that, and then you select the carrier, Bob, and then you put it in as completed, and then you do, okay, so you got about five steps. Yeah, so you intentionally did it. It's not something that you just accidentally put in. You intentionally went in and put in the carrier as receiving training that you know they did not receive. Just like this memo said, we did it just to get district off our back. So you intentionally put the carrier in harm's way to get district off your back? You put my my brothers and sisters in peril to get management off your back, to get your bosses off your back? That's what you did? That's going in a grievance. You put my carriers in the ultimate way of harm when you did that. When you did not provide that training and lied saying that you did. Now what happens if my carriers get out there and get succumbed to the heat? And this supervisor has gone somewhere else. The one that did it. The one that falsified those records. And I've got a carrier that went out there. They succumbed to the heat. And what's management going to do? They're going to try to remove the care. Why? Because you received this training. You knew better. You knew what you were supposed to do. We've given you this hero training on your heat illness, what you're supposed to do, the steps you're supposed to take. You didn't follow any of them. And now look at you laying here almost dead. I didn't receive training. Yes, you did. It's right here in the computer that you received training. That's what I'm talking about. Fire these motherfuckers up through the grievance process. Article 14, I'm asking for $50 a calendar day until management does the right thing. I'm going to force this to arbitration. I'm going to force management to sit there in a chair and tell the arbitrator, why were you dishonest? Why did you falsify records to intentionally put my carriers in harm's way? I didn't. Well, I got four or five fucking steps that you're supposed to do. How is it you didn't intentionally do that? You had to go in here and you had to do all these different things to to input me as taking the training. 
We have got to be a lion in the NLC. When you walk in a place, they're like, here's this motherfucker again, damn it. That's what we have to be. We've got to quit being fucking possums and doing the least amount possible. Here's another thing. And several people have reached out to me about this, about the uh, certified mail and the DPS, if that's happening. He says, is this a national issue, certified mail and the DPS? Our postmaster said that we are to return the certifieds back to the office, but I know it violates the contract M41335.16, and my steward isn't really doing anything. Just letting the postmaster give out false information. I'm sure this has been talked about already. I'm just frustrated. So I'll read it again. Is this a national issue? Certified mail in the DPS? Our postmaster said that we're to return the certifieds back to the office, but I know it violates the contract M41335.16. You're exactly right. You're exactly right. M41335.16 states this. Certified mail mixed in with delivery point sequence mail and identified while performing street duties is to be handled in the same manner as certified mail that is issued in the office by the accountable clerk. Let me read that again. Certified mail mixed in with delivery point sequence DPS mail and identified while performing street duties is to be handled in the same manner as certified mail that is issued in the office by the accountable clerk. Customers must sign for this mail on the data collection device at the delivery point. If for any reason the customer cannot sign on the collection device, PS Form 3849 must be completed at the delivery point and delivery should be attempted. Receipts are to be turned in and the collection device presented to the accountable clerk along with receipts for any other certified mail. So there you have it. A lot of people have asked about it. This person answered their own question, which is very good. And that's the same language that I've been telling carriers that have been asking me about it. It seems like here lately this has become an issue. It hasn't in my station, so I'm glad y'all reached out to me about it. Uh, but that's exactly how he handled it. If the postmaster telling you to do anything other than this, grieve it, okay? If they're telling you to do anything other than what I just read to you, the M41-335.16, M41-335.16, if they're telling you to do anything different than that, grieve it. Okay? All right. Now, this load truck feature. And we talked a little bit about this last week, and I got long-winded and couldn't get to it. But JB has grieved this and won it in this installation about the load truck feature. And I know that the consensus by a lot of people is, hey, why are we grieving it? It takes much longer out there to do it. Uh, it adds on to my route because I'm sitting there. I've been here 20 years. You know, I know how to do it much faster, but this load truck feature is slowing me down. Uh, so why are we grieving it? Because management told me to do it. That's why I'm grieving it. I hate them that much. I do. I despise them. And so anything they tell me to do, if I can grieve it, I'm going to grieve it. I don't, even, I don't give a damn if it helps my route. That's how much, that's the spite I have for them. I don't care if it adds on to my fucking route. I'm grieving it. Why? Because you can't do it. Damn it. And I don't like you. That's why. Uh, they tried to make us do it before at my station. And I remember 
It lasted about two days. And so it was in the process of being grieved. Ops comes out. And they're like, what are y'all doing? Well, I'm doing this low truck feature. Well, how long y'all been here? 29 years. Well, who told y'all to do that? The boss in there. So they go in there and tell the boss, hey, they're not doing that. That's a time-wasting practice. So the boss comes down there and says, hey, don't do that anymore. <laughs> that's, that's my station. That's an honest-to-God truth. Ops comes out and tells us it's a time-wasting practice. You know why? Because it is. I don't need to do that. I can have my, my vehicle loaded just by going out there and you know putting it where it's supposed to go. I don't need a damn load truck feature. But anyway, JB's grieved it. Here's the grievance, and I'm going to give it to Jeremy, and he's going to put it up for you. And, and it's, the, the contractual language is in here. He's got his resolution, which you can't use, but you can kind of copy it. It says, uh, Management at West Station, the national installation, now shall refrain from mandating the use of the load truck feature and creating local policies inconsistent with the collective bargaining agreement and will follow all postal handbooks, manuals concerning the methods of loading parcels for the city letter carriers. Management is directed to the following language from the M41 handbook. Now, here you go. Section 322.31. Load parcel posts directly into the vehicle from hampers or sacks. Normally separate the parcels in delivery sequence. Make a mental note of the first parcel delivery point. When the parcel has been delivered, make mental note of the next, and so on, until all parcels have been delivered. So that's section 322.31 of the M41 handbook. And again, I'm going to put this up for you. But in here is something that's, that's very good. It's an SOP from headquarters standard operating procedure november of 2017 and it's headquarters delivery operations and this will be in that packet now if you want to get it it'll be on from adarbitration.com okay so you can look on there and get this off all right it says overview and then it, he's got it highlighted for you it says overview the document will assist carriers in loading packages and or small parcels and rolls spurs Sequentially, directly into the vehicle. Using these guidelines, district and local management will use a combination of new technology within the mobile delivery device, manual labeling, partitioning of delivery vehicles, and standard practices in the way each vehicle type is loaded, dependent upon the method of delivery. The standard partitioning of the vehicle in this document is into six sections. However, local management may choose a nine-section separation for rural carrier associates, in an unfamiliar route in lieu of using MDD load truck feature for new carriers described later in the document. Then it goes down to general process overview. He's got it highlighted. Regular carriers on their own routes can normally do this simply by reading the address. However, new or part-time carriers such as city carrier assistance CCAs may need assistance. As such, the MDD has been modified with a new load truck feature to assist in this process. So they're telling you right there, hey, regular carriers on their own routes, they can normally do this simply by just reading the package. But for new carriers, we've got something on the scanner. It's called load truck that will help them. So why am I doing it? I've been here 29 years. And then it's got a lot of uh, pictures, directions, and stuff for you. But 
that will help you if you're wanting to file a grievance on the load truck feature. If you don't, don't. But if you do, there you have it. Now, that grievance in its entirety is a very long grievance. JB always does a fantastic job, but that's a good one there. He got that SOP for you. You can put in your grievance. Um, it's got the contractual language already in there. Uh, copy and paste all of it that you want. So if you're wanting to deal with the load truck feature, they're making us do it. There's your grievance for it, okay? Almost done. Gonna be a short one for you today. Uh, had another carrier message me. He says, hey, Corey, I'm loving the Salted Peanuts episodes, and I was wondering if you could cover the subject of non-PS forms being implemented by management. Uh, he said, I was able to get a lot of help from the 8 Arbitration Discord server. So when I tell y'all to get on Discord, do it. They're constantly educating, talking 24-7. They are constantly on Discord talking and educating. Some extremely bright individuals on Discord, okay? Uh, I forgot. I th it's either up to 400 or 500 members on that thing. It's crazy. But uh, you can get if you go to formatearbitration.com, It'll prompt you. It'll have something on that. It'll prompt you to that Discord channel. And I'll talk about this at the end of this episode. But he says he got a lot of help from on the from Aid Arbitration Discord server. But yeah, I'll talk about that right now. I've just pulled a bunch of arbitration sites, and I'm going to read from them. But why I love arbitration sites and reading them is because it will always tell me the issue. It'll tell me the contractual language that I need. It'll tell me the arbitrator's opinion and what they hung their hat on. Okay, so I read as many arbitration. I know that sounds boring and corny as hell, but I read as many arbitration decisions as I can, losses and wins, because they're both educational. Now, some arbitrators just don't like the union, and so they're going to find any way out. I've got one, Roberta Bayhackle. is a complete fucking disaster for city letter carriers. She's the worst one I've ever seen, and she's going to look for any way out. Anything she can to hurt the, the letter carrier, she's going to do. Uh, but I've pulled about six, and I'm going to read from them, arbitrators' opinions on um, locally generated forms, okay? And it's going to tell you the contractual language that you need and what the arbitrator's thoughts were, okay? Why they awarded us what they awarded us, okay? Here's one from uh, arbitrator Arlen Sensi. It's C35989, C35989. Uh, and she says the grievance was timely filed and is therefore arbitrable. Management violated the national agreement, M852, and the administra administrative support manual, the ASM, section 324, when they modified Postal Form 13 and used it to record information during the May 2019 Anchorage, Alaska route inspections without following the procedure outlined in ASM Section 324. Management is ordered to cease and desist from utilizing modified routing slips during route inspections unless and until the necessary clearances are obtained in accordance with Section 324 of the ASM. So that's the language that you're going to need. Now, they'll have that language in the decision, okay? But it's Administrative Support Manual, the ASM Section 324. We're going to fight locally generated forms that weren't properly promulgated. That's where we go. When they hand you these forms to sign, 
and it's a locally generated form, we're going to grieve every one of them, okay? Don't ever let that happen to your people without grieving it. So in this decision, you definitely need to get it. It's 35989, see 35989, because she puts the entire ASM, the entire language in here, all of it. So you need this decision. Um, it's the best one that I pulled up because it has uh, all the contractual language. She put it all in there, but she put in the, the graph, the 324.2 coordination and clearance. She put all that in there. I'm not going to read all that, but get that and, and look at it and read. It's not a very long decision. It's only, what, 11 pages? 11 pages long, but here's her, here's her ruling. The modified buck slip used during the May 2019 count inspection in Anchorage meets the definition of postal form in that it was used to capture, transmit, and store data used to support postal business processes. Okay, that language right there is money. She defines the form in that it was used to capture, transmit, and store data used to support postal business processes. It also meets the Section 324.2 definition of a form that affects wages, hours, and other terms and conditions of employment or that concern any work and or time standards or studies relating to any bargaining unit employees. The adjustment of routes clearly affects the terms and conditions of employment for letter carriers. And a form that gathers information used to make such adjustments is one that affects working conditions. Such a form can only be promulgated or modified in accordance with ASM 324.2. ASM 324.2 provides two methods of obtaining required clearance for such forms. For PS forms, that method is through the Vice President of Labor Relations using the Clearance Option 3 memo, and all of that is in this decision. You'll see it when you get it. For local forms, clearance can be obtained through the appropriate Area Human Resources Manager. Form 13, or the buck slip, is a postal service form which contains a PS number having been approved and adopted through the ASM process. It is not a completely local form, but rather a local modification of a postal service form. Based upon my reading of ASM 324.2, such a form can only be modified through the Vice President of Labor Relations using Clearance Option 3 memo. There is no evidence in this case that the routing slip or buck slip used in the route inspections was cleared through the appropriate ASM method. In a case that is closely on point, arbitrator Jonathan Klein ruled that a locally developed office observation checklist and proper work methods form used for carrier observations clearly affected the terms and conditions of a letter carrier's employment. He further found that the form was not properly promulgated according to the provisions of ASM 324.2 when it had not been cleared through the local human resources manager, but not the area human resources manager. Similarly, in this case, local approval of the modified buck slip would be insufficient to properly modify and use a numbered postal service form to gather and record information that affects the working conditions of carriers. Moreover, the evidence presented at arbitration that the modified form was approved by the area manager is weak. 
the area manager did not testify to having approved the modification and an assumption of local approval was made on the basis that the form had been provided by the area for use in route inspections. Since PS Form 13 was not modified in accordance with the procedures outlined in ASM 324.2, as required by M852, it cannot be used in route inspections until properly cleared for use. Having decided the case on other grounds, I did not address in detail the union's contention that management violated its previous Step B and Step 4 decisions when it modified Form 13. However, I note that based upon my review of the Step B and Step 4 decisions provided me, none are directly on point with the current case. And when you talk about Step 4 decision M852, when she cites that, she references that. M852 simply states the following. We also agree that the issuance of local forms and the local revisions of existing forms is governed by Section 324.12 of the Administrative Support Manual. Okay, so when we talk about Step 4 M852, it says we also agree that the issuance of local forms and the local revisions of existing forms is governed by Section 324.12 of the Administrative Support Manual. All right. So get that decision, 35989, 35989. It's a very good decision. Here's another one. It's by arbitrator David Stanton. It's C34874, 34874. And this is his discussion on it. He said, both parties acknowledge the importance of maintaining the security of arrow keys and the dramatic impact of a missing key. A missing key negatively affects the individual carrier, the security of the mail, and results in a significant economic injury to the Postal Service. In the union's view, the existing procedure was working fine, and there was no reason to create a new form to track the issuance and return of arrow keys. The union also feels the changes, which were not universally implemented across all six stations of the Fayetteville, North Carolina Post Office, was unlikely to have any sort of positive impact on arrow key security. Finally, the union argues the local form was created without following the appropriate process provided for in the Administrative Support Manual. The Postal Service says the newly created form is virtually identical to PS Form 1627 and its use should continue to be allowed. The subject of arrow key security is so important that the Postal Service's efforts should be given deference as part of management's right to maintain the efficiency of the operations. Finally, the Postal Service contends that letter carriers have suffered no harm and that it would be inappropriate to provide any sort of monetary remedy. This case presents a possible Article 5 violation in addition to an Article 19 violation. It could be argued that implementing the new form violated Article 5 by creating changes that directly relate to wages, hours, and working conditions. Under the Form 3867 process, the letter carrier signed for the arrow key upon receiving it. The newly developed form required the letter carrier to print and sign their name upon receiving the arrow key. In addition, the letter carrier had to print and sign their name upon returning the arrow key. The impact of letter carrier working conditions by the introduction of the new form was trivial at best, it cannot be said the new form violated Article 5 by the employer unilaterally creating adverse working conditions. 
the new form did violate Article 19 and that it failed to follow the specific provisions of ASM 323 and 324 regarding the new form development. The newly developed form is not the equivalent of the PS Form 1627. The Form 1627 is a blank Excel spreadsheet, while the newly developed form is also an an Excel spreadsheet, the format is significantly different. The only thing they seem to have in common is that they are both Excel spreadsheets. The requirement to have a centralized forms creation process makes perfect sense for an organization the size of the Postal Service. There was no testimony introduced in the instant case that the Fayetteville Post Office was experiencing any sort of problems with missing arrow keys. Moreover, it is unclear and it was unexplained how a form that adds the requirement to print and sign your name at both the issuance and return was going to improve arrow key security. In spite of these shortcomings, a new form was created. If this sort of random form creation were practiced throughout the Postal Service's 30,000 post offices, there would be chaos. <laughs> Management's actions were obviously well-intentioned and did not impose any significant burden on letter carriers that would require financial remedy. Nevertheless, the manner in which the new form was created violated Article 19 by violating ASM 323 and 324. The grievance is sustained. So that's the power of the ASM in Article 19. It trumped Article 3 as far as management's rights. And uh, that's what the arbitrator said. And I liked how he said, hey, if, if you could just put any form you want to with the 30,000 plus post offices, be complete chaos. And, and I agree with that. That's a beautiful, beautiful saying. Here's another one. C-34211, C-34211, and this is by arbitrator Louise Wolitz. She's one of my favorites. And it's a longer decision. It's 19 pages. I'm going to read her discussion. But get all these decisions, and you can read management's arguments. They try to persuade the arbitrator by saying the OIG is involved, that uh, district is involved, district manager is involved, So they use that language to try to persuade the arbitrator. But most arbitrators do the right thing and just go by the contract. If you can do it, you can do it. If you can't, you can't. And this is just, this is one of those situations. Here's arbitrator Wolitz's discussion. The issue statement before us is, did management violate Article 15 of the National Agreement, JCAM, including Article 19, via the Administrative Support Manual, ASM, Section 322, 324, and 325, when they had created a local form requiring carriers to initial or sign when receiving gas cards. If so, what is the appropriate remedy? Postal management in Pleasanton is not using the PS Form 3867 titled Accountable Mail Matter Received for Delivery. See page 7 or Joint Exhibit 2, page 5. A nationally recognized and produced form with a PS number. 3867, to keep account of accountable mail. Rather, the Pleasanton Post Office is using a form it locally developed and revised on 725, 94, 124, 320, and 322. This form lists the routes and has columns for the carriers to initial, arrow, collection key, vehicle key, gas, spray, and carrier name and clerk name. The headings on the column are sometimes changed in revisions. For example, spray, dog spray, 
sometimes appears and sometimes does not. The parties agree that this local form has been in use for many years. Postmaster Grant Singh Ahasa testified that he came to Pleasanton in 2002 and this form was being used then. The form has been used in Pleasanton for at least 17 years. The parties also agree that no grievances have been filed or problems raised in that time about the use of this form. Now, this is going to be a good one for those that have forms you've been using a while. Maz is going to say, hey, you should have filed this 14 days from the issuance of the form. The Postal Service maintains that, therefore, the use of this form is a past practice and pleasant and should not now be discontinued. Here we go. On March 18th of 2019, the union officially grieved the use of this form and asserted that management is violating the national agreement, Article 19, and the Administrative Support Manual, ASM, by continuing to use this form. The local union contends that gas cards are not recognized accountable as per the guidelines of the M41, Section 261.11. Accountable items are keys, postage due, and special service mail. The union argues that carriers should not be required to initial for gas cards or other items that are not accountable items such as dog spray. Moreover, the union argues that this form was created in violation of the ASM section 322, 324, and 325, specifically when it mandates carriers to sign or initial this form. It is undisputed that the form requires carriers to initial for gas cards, which are not accountable items. It is also undisputed that the form has been used in Pleasanton for 17 or more years and not been questioned. It is further undisputed that the form is not an official, nationally developed PS form with a PS number. Nor has the form been developed in accordance with the provisions of Administrative Support Manual 322, 324, and 325. The Postal Service makes no argument that the form satisfies the provisions of the Administrative Support Manual 324, 325, and 322. Rather, the Postal Service argues that since it has been in effect for so many years, without agreements or a problem, it is a past practice which has become a part of the national agreement. The union argues it cannot be a past practice that has become a part of the national agreement because it's inconsistent with the national agreement and with Postal Form 3867, which is the form that officially tracks accountables. The local form requires signature or initials or things that are not accountable, like gas cards, which the official form does not. The union specifically objects to requiring carriers to initial or sign for non-accountable items like gas cards or dog spray. The union argues that the Postal Service has other processes in place to keep track of gas cards and their use and identity who has used them. These are locally developed internal procedures these are locally developed internal procedures that do not require signatures and to which the union does not object. There is also no contention in this file that the form in question here has never been approved by headquarters, labor relations, or the appropriate area human resources manager as required by ASM 324.2. Thus, this form is inconsistent with a national agreement and cannot be approved. ASM 324.1 clearly says that headquarters organizational units approve the requirement for new or revised forms within their functional areas. There, have been so, there has been no such approval for the form in question here. 
There is no evidence that any coordination or clearance has ever been obtained. There is no approval of the form from labor relations or the human resources manager or the record office or any headquarters level official. That it has been used for many years without being questioned does not protect its continued use. How about that? That it has been used for many years without being questioned does not protect its continued use. That's great language if y'all got one that y'all been using in y'all's office for a long time and management comes up with this same argument. Since it is inconsistent with the national agreement and the national agreement through Article 19, the Administrative Support Manual does provide a proper process and there is a nationally developed form which should be used for accountables. We find the practice we find that past practice does not protect the continued use of this form. And she sustained the grievance. So that's another great one for you. That's C34211. 34211. Okay? All right, just a couple more and I'll be done. Here's C34924. 34924. And this is arbitrator uh, David Stanton again. 34924. And this is his discussion. The National Agreement provides that any full-time regular or part-time flexible employee recuperating from a serious illness or injury and temporarily unable to perform the assigned duties may voluntarily submit a written request to the installation head for temporary assignment to a light duty or other assignment. The phrase, may voluntarily submit, indicates the decision to request light duty is up to the employee. It is not something they have to do. The second part of the sentence simply says the employee request must be in writing. The national agreement does not provide further guidance on the particulars of the written request. The union argues that the contract only requires the request for light duty be in writing and accompanied by medical documentation. The Postal Service contends that completion of a locally developed form is necessary to support the request for light duty. As the Step B decision indicates, there's at least one Step 4 pre-arbitration agreement and six more Step 4 decisions which address the issue of local forms. The decisions which are precedent-setting on a nationwide basis all make three fundamental points. One, the issuance of local forms is governed by Section 323 and or 324 of the Administrative Support Manual, ASM, Two, the locally developed form at issue in this grievance was not promulgated in compliance with the ASM. And three, therefore, management must discontinue its use. These national level decisions are on point with the instant case. No evidence was introduced which suggests the locally developed form had been developed in accordance with the ASM and as a result, its use must be discontinued. The more difficult question in the case is a matter of an appropriate remedy. The grievant testified upon receiving a letter with a copy of the local form to complete from the postmaster. He shared it with the union official. The grievant was advised the form was illegal because it asked him to sign a release that would allow his doctor to provide medical information to the Postal Service. The demand for a release was thought to be a violation of HIPAA. As such, the grievant was advised to not complete the form, and he did not. The Postal Service never heard from the grievance again until he returned to work in a full-duty capacity. The Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act of 1996, HIPAA, instructs how personally identifiable information maintained by health care and health care insurance providers 
should be protected from fraud and theft. In general, HIPAA protects individuals from unauthorized use or disclosure of any personal health information. HIPAA does not usually apply to employers. The exception would be with regard to safeguarding the confidentiality of protected health information in their possession. The Postal Service even has a properly authorized PS form to address the issue. PS form 2488, Authorization for Medical Report, is a released form to allow the Postal Service to obtain medical information from employees. The extreme summary of the case would be that we have an employee who voluntarily chose to not provide information to the employer on a locally developed form that has now been invalidated based on incorrect legal advice provided to him. There is no question that all parties involved throughout thought they were doing the right thing. There is also no question the employee was injured and was now being allowed to return to work in light duty capacity. The only reason the employee was not allowed to return to work was his refusal to complete the now invalidated form. There was testimony the grievance used sick leave in lieu of being granted light duty work. The unique factual circumstances of this case make it appropriate to award the grievance 92 hours of sick leave. How about that? The grievance is sustained. So when management refused to allow this carrier to come back to work because he did not complete a form, Remember I told y'all that a long time ago about the young lady who was representing her son in an EEO because management refused to allow him to work because he did not complete a form that they had made up. This arbitrator recognized that as being disingenuous. And he said, because of that, you're going to reimburse the grievance 92 hours of sick leave because you tried to get him to sign a form he was not supposed to sign, not required to sign as a locally generated form that you came up with. And so there's another good one for you uh, about locally generated forms. And lastly is a one page. It's a, a bench decision from arbitrator Nancy Hutt. And it's C3552. C3552 from arbitrator Nancy Hutt. And this is what she says. The grievance is sustained. I conclude the service violated the ASM section 324.2 via article 19 of the national agreement when they required letter carriers to sign for their Voyager gas credit cards on a locally developed form that was not properly promulgated. Management will discontinue requiring city carriers to sign for gas cards. City carriers will no longer be required to sign out for gas cards as an accountable item or any other locally created log. Listen, as per the formal A grievance settlement, management will comply with the citable cease and desist in requiring city letter carriers in the Sacramento installation to sign for gas cards. Y'all know how I feel about that. Here we go. I'm going to read that again. As per the formal A grievance settlement, Management will comply with the citable cease and desist in requiring city letter carriers in the Sacramento installation to sign for gas cards. Y'all know what a stickler I am for the cease and desist and how I'm fighting with my own union, right, when it comes to cease and desist. Because for some reason, we have gotten in our heads that we cannot send cease and desist forward. I don't understand it. it. The power of the cease and desist is devastating to management. And why we would cower away from that, almost like a possum, is beyond me. Okay? I'm going to read this to you, then I'm going to be done. 
person sent me this. Only took about 30 grievances filed this year and 15 step B decisions to finally get a cease and desist. Oh, and management failing to meet with me. Only took about 30 grievances filed this year and 15 step B decisions to finally get a cease and desist. We are crippling our own people with this infatuation of not providing a cease and desist. It's like we are fighting alongside with management against our people on the workroom floor about the cease and desist. If I'm a business agent, I'm mandating, I'm mandating my B team to not settle anything unless I get a cease and desist. I'm mandating it. If I'm the branch president, I'm mandating my formal aid to not settle the first thing unless it is attached with a cease and assist. I'm instructing my shop stewards. I'm giving in-depth training on the cease and assist, what it means, the history of it, the power of it. The cease and assist is devastating to management. That's the reason they punked us out so many years ago. It's absolutely absurd when I hear people not want to give a cease and desist. This got a bench decision in arbitration because of a cease and desist. That's the power of it. And we're scared of it. If I was to give a mascot to my NALC today, it would be a possum. Because you're playing dead at the most important, most critical time that I've been here. You're playing dead. Rather than being a fucking roaring lion coming ravaging up in this bitch, you're a possum. You should be ashamed of yourself. I know you're not. I don't know you give a damn about it. You should be ashamed of yourself. So I'm going to call you a possum at that level, all right? I'm going to call you a possum until we have leaders in there that are roaring fucking lions. Now, I know that they've got some up there. Like us, I've dealt with some. And, and that's exactly what they are. But we've got those that are possums. We've got business agents that are possums that lay down and play dead. When a threat comes, they refuse to fight. They refuse to stand up for their people on the workroom floor. One day, one day we'll get it back. I know that we will. One day we'll get it back. When enough carriers are sick and tired of this shit, when enough carriers on the workroom floor are sick and tired of this shit, they will vote people into office that are lions. Right? That are not possible. You can beat good old boy networks with the vote and education. All right? Let me get out of here. From aidarbitration.com, get on there and look up your stuff. Uh, Jeremy does a fantastic job with that. All this stuff will be on there. Lindsay from Aid Arbitration, the Facebook page, does a fantastic job. Hey, we're fixing to sell shirts. That's, that's almost happening. We've gotten our nonprofit stuff out of the way. Uh, that's finalizing, and she's already got a, a seller. And uh, so a lot of people interested in shirts. Again, 100% of those proceeds will go to MDA. I did not take contributions or donations. I appreciate you, though, for those of you who keep asking. <laughs> Made some of you angry that I wouldn't. I just, I'm not going to do that. Look, you're not going to pay the union for representation that you're not getting and then pay me 
to educate you. That makes no sense to me. I appreciate, look, I appreciate you very much reaching out about it. I'm not going to take money from my people. I'm just not. You already pay an agent, the NELC, to represent you. Okay? You're not going to pay me to do the same damn thing. It just doesn't make any sense. Okay? I love doing this. I have fun with it. You know? Uh, nobody puts the thumb on me. I can say whatever I want to say with no repercussions whatsoever. Why? Because I don't give a fuck what anybody thinks about me. That's why. <laughs> Like I said, I didn't start this to make friends. I started this to make warriors. That's what I started this for. I didn't come on here to make friends. I came on here to make warriors because I'm sick and tired of seeing my union be possums. Right? <laughs> get on Discord. Check that out. Great stuff on Discord. You can get that offer from arbitration.com. Reddit page. Fantastic stuff on Reddit. That is... That dude is amazing. Funny stuff on there, man. If you love funny things, get on there. Funny stuff. Also get on from arbitration.com to prompt you to that, okay? Next week, uh, I'm going out of town doing some training at a different state. I'm going to look forward to that. Uh, and I'll be back a little bit later. And I'll try to do another episode, okay? Uh, it may have to be on Monday. I don't know yet. Depends on what time I get back. But uh, y'all have a fantastic week. Let's be lions, all right? Let's be lions. We're a school. We want to be called the lions, not the possums, all right? I love y'all, and I'll talk to y'all next week, all right? Bye.